so lovely to be here. It's just lovely to see so many faces of people that I really love, and I'm very happy to be back, if not a bit nervous. So, um, my name is Avril Lovegrove. Um, I've been coming to this church for a little while, and I'm an occasional preacher at St. George's, um, and we are currently studying inspiring women. So tonight we're looking at a lady called Deborah. Her story can be found um, on the fourth and fifth chapters of Judges. I had never heard of her either, just in case you were thinking, <laughs> who's she? I thought that too. Um, but um, I'm going to tell you a bit about Deborah. Uh, I will hope to um, put her across in, the, in, in a way that does her justice. So um, Judges chapter 4, um, Deborah. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud was dead, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor, Caesarea, the commander of his army, was based in Horaseth, Hagnum, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had currently oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried out to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapithod, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinom, who sent Kedish and Niphathali, and said to him, the Lord God of Israel commands you, go take with you 10,000 men of Nephetali and Zebulun and lead them up the mountain of Tabor. I will lead Caesarea, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Caesarea into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went back with Barak to Kedish, where Barak summoned Zebulun and Nephali and 10,000 men, went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. Now Heber and Kenite had left the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobaz and Moses, and Moses' brother-in-law, and pitched his tent in the great tree of Zamin near Kedesh. And I'm going to stop there. Because <laughs> if, you, if you want a bit of light evening reading, the next bit is when Deborah's friend uh, drives a tent peg through a bloke's head. So um, I've left that bit out, and we're just going to talk about Deborah. So Deborah was one of the most influential women of the Old Testament. She was a prophet, a warrior, a songwriter, and the only female judge to shepherd God's people and lead Israel into battle against their enemies. She was wise and brave and confident and patient and hardworking, courageous, intelligent and trustworthy. She sets the bar quite high for us girls, does our Debbie. She, if she was alive today, she'd be one of those mums who, um, I look at Sarah because she'll know what I'm talking about, who head up the PTA, organise the entire Christmas fair, fundraise for the local church. Her children will all have been breastfed till they were five and they all look immaculate. She wouldn't dream of dropping her children off to school in her pyjamas or feeding them chicken nuggets and, and oven chips. 
She's a proper woman. She did things right, so we need to live up to her example. So to cut a long story short, she was an amazing woman of God. And God was able to use her again to rescue the people of Israel. So why did the people of Israel need rescuing at this time? As was often the case with the Israelis, troubles were entirely the result of their own sin and idol worship and rebellion. And over the course of 20 years, they lost their way. They slowly stepped away from God bit by bit and their relationship with God was ruined. And they drifted like a ship without a rudder, worshiping idols and serving false gods. They became lawless, they lived immoral lives. Because of this, God allowed them to be oppressed by the Canaanites, their King Jabin and their military general, Sassero, for 20 years. And so began the cycle of rebellion, loss of freedom and oppression, repentance and restoration that we read about in the book of Judges. I've never read the book of Judges, but apparently that's what happened. <laughs> Despite their rebellion, God sent help in the form of judges and Deborah was one of those judges. She lived in the hill country of Ephraim. She would sit under a palm tree and provide godly wisdom and advice and guidance. She would prophesy to those who came to her for advice. She had children and she was married to a man called Lapidoth. We don't really know anything about him and quite frankly, He's a man, so it's not really relevant to this story. Um, we're talking about wonderful women of the Bible. So let's first ask ourselves, why did God choose Deborah? I think it was because she was the only one who was listening. I think she was the only one at this time who had her ears and her eyes open to God. She was an extraordinary woman who had a very close relationship with God. She recognized God when he spoke to her. She knew him. She believed in him. She trusted him. And he trusted her. Among the judges of Israel, Deborah was unique in that she led by example. But she was also bold and assertive and obedient in her personal life and her public life. The name Deborah means bee, as in bumblebee or honeybee. And bees they're sharp, they're intelligent, they work hard, they're useful, they're productive, and they're servant-like and obedient to their leader. She walked with God daily. She knew him and was prepared to do whatever God asked her to do. She was a woman of great character, a woman standing firm for the Lord, a woman who men came to for advice. And this was very unusual in that time in history, women were usually treated as second-class citizens. She must have been quite something, I reckon. A fantastic role model for us to try and emulate thousands of years later. So let's look at what we can learn from Deborah and how she lived. Firstly, she was a woman of great character. She had integrity, honesty. She had a strong moral code. She was trustworthy and honest and wise. She willingly gave up her time for others and made sacrifice for the greater good. She was kind and she was patient. A person's character is the sum of his or her 
disposition, your thoughts, your intentions, your desires, your actions. It's good to remember that character is gauged by general tendencies, not just one-off isolated good deeds. It's who you are. It's how you live. It's how you behave. It's how you think. It's what's important to you as a person. That strength of character should be consistent in all areas of our lives, in public and in private. Does your character crack when it's under pressure? When you're at work, or when you're behind the wheel of a car, or at home when your children are being really annoying and you're tired, or your husband's being a bit tricky? Do you save the worst of yourself? <laughs> It's never tricky. <clears throat> Do you save the worst of yourself for the people that you love the most? We all make mistakes, but it's your character that's important. Are you authentic? Does the way you think and believe mirror Jesus? Are you the same behind closed doors as you are out in public? Is that important to you? I'm not great. I don't have a great character. I have a lot to work on. My work, my friends, my church friends get the best of me. At home, I have a tendency to be unreliable, disorganized. I can't always be trusted to do the things I say I'm going to do. I can be moody and sulky and lazy, but we'll stop because there is a lot more and that's enough. It is God's purpose to develop character within us, to hone us, to change us, for the better, to help us become more like Jesus. If you're not sure what a good character looks like, look at Jesus. Gentle, loving, patient, kind, generous, peaceful. And look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit in 5 Galatians verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Is that in your character? Is that in your character when you're at home and in your character when you're out in public? Do you recognize those personality traits? When people look at us, do they see a person of character? Someone who stands firm in the Lord, committed to trying to live the way Jesus lived. If we do that, other people are able to see that we are different. Do you, uh, we have, do you have integrity? Are you morally strong? Are you trustworthy? Like Deborah, we can become a lighthouse of faith shining out into the world if your character is firm. So Deborah was a woman of character. She was also a woman of great courage. She stepped outside the traditional role that a woman would, or, would ordinarily inhabit in those days. She led by example. She was brave. She was bold. She was assertive. She was obedient. And she was better because she was a woman in a good way. She risked so much. She went into battle. 
In Judges 4, verse 8, we see Deborah calling on a Jewish warrior, Barak, and Israel's army. He was a warrior. I'm only going if you come with me. And if you don't come, I'm not going. Completely disappointing house over a couple of years. There was one summer when Chris was away and the cat kept bringing frogs in. So I'd walk around the house. I'm quite ashamed by that. If you want to hear a few more frog stories, I'll tell them to you, but that's it for another time. So I'm scared of illness. I'm scared of dying young. I'm scared of getting old. I'm scared of not being mentally stable all the time. I'm scared of change. I'm scared of confrontation. I'm scared of being scared. I mean, can you imagine if I had to go to battle for Jesus, all they would have to do is hold up a couple of frogs and I'd run a mile. <laughs> Are you courageous? Are you courageous for your faith, for God, for what you believe in? Is God calling you to do something or go somewhere or talk to someone or face something difficult in your life? It could be anything. Would you grab the challenge with both hands and all your heart? Or would you run a mile? I don't ask this lightly. For some people, facing their fears every day takes a huge amount of courage and bravery for them to be real and honest and, and speak about how they're feeling. But I believe that... But what we are asked to do whether the chips of the things are going well, is to praise, to rejoice, to give glory and give thanks. Even if at the end of the battle you're bruised, you're injured, you're bleeding, you're sad, you're hurt, God went with you and he looked after you and he will continue to look after you. And we should thank us. He protects us. He deserves our praise and our thanks and our worship. And finally, Deborah thanks the people who helped her win the battle, that went into battle with her. She thanked for their courage and their bravery. To the present time, remember to thank. You can never thank someone too many times. And I think that that's something Richard and Joe do really well. I'm only saying this because this... Uh... Hi, I wouldn't normally do this, but I, I really feel strongly that God... I have, in the lockdown, just run away from church and run away from God, have had very little contact, and I've been heard to say I quite enjoy my Sundays without church. And coming back here today has just been amazing, and I feel like, and I have a picture in my head of the prodigal son, and I feel like the prodigal son, and I feel like I'm running back towards God, and I feel like God is running to meet us. And when we open up in September and church comes church again, I just want you to hold that picture of the prodigal son, that we're running back to God, but he left and ran back to us a long time ago.